Welcome to the Altruistic Traveller podcast, interviews with influential changemakers from around the world. That recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with these. That type of volunteering actually is proving to be more harmful. Trying to elevate poverty. I mean, they didn't see me that way. They see me as a human being, someone who needs help. Be inspired, educated and moved by global initiatives making this world a better place. For more stories and resources, please visit thealtruistictraveler.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Altruistic Traveler podcast. Today, I'm doing something a little different. I have a double podcast where I was a guest on the How to Be Global podcast. And today, I have Sarah as a guest on my podcast, who is the founder of How to Be Global, an initiative that aims to discover what it takes to be global in today's fast-paced and culturally mixed world through podcasting, education, and crowdsourcing. Sarah is a global advocate for equal rights and equal chance and is the former president of JA Alumni Europe and is currently senior manager alumni and campaigns at JA Worldwide, a large non-governmental organization that serves youth around the world. Sarah was born in Germany, lived in Malta, which is half of my hometown, and currently based in Vienna, Austria. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much, Bianca, for the invite. And I'm equally excited about our double podcast and sharing your story on my podcast, sharing my story on your podcast. So really looking forward to the conversation. I didn't know you live in Malta. Actually, I'm half Maltese. Oh, you are? Look at this, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love that tiny little island so much. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, global global advocate for equal rights and equal chance. Love that. Tell me a little bit about your... Let's talk about um, how to be global, the podcast, the scholarships. Where did Where was this born? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so basically... What happened is so I was born in Germany, as you mentioned, in a very German-German environment, right? In a tiny town, everyone was German, no cultures around, right? German culture, that's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, I always felt um, that I that this wasn't my place where I wanted to be for some weird reason. And then I wanted to leave when I was 16 to the U.S. Obviously, my mom wasn't that amused <laughs> of me wanting to leave to the U.S. when I was 16. So that didn't happen. Um, then I wanted to leave after I finished high school. Um, but I decided to stay in Germany and uh, study and work at the same time. So actually, I was working with a big uh, sports federation. And in there, I was responsible for all the international things. So we were organizing big sports events. And if there was someone who was speaking English, they always, you know, kind of threw them, oh, Sarah, can you talk to them? (laughs) So this is kind of how I started like a more global perspective on, and I really love to work with different cultures. Um, Then also, I we were talking about JA in a second, but I was volunteering for the organization since like 10 years and it was it's also a global organization. So that's where I really found the love of, okay, I really want to work on a global scale. I want to connect with people all across the world. So, but then when I started working globally, I found out that it's amazing, right? To mm-hmm. connect with people from other cultures. However, there's so many misunderstandings because people have different values, different backgrounds and just do life differently, right? And, you know, I ran into some struggles where I was like, 
can someone explain me how this global world works? <laughs> and I couldn't really find an answer. So that's why I started the podcast, How to Be Global, to really dive deep into, well, we all live on this planet. We're all global if we want or not, right? That's just what we are. Let's find ways and techniques on how to actually live, work together, you know, cross cultures a bit better. Amazing. So you mentioned that this whole idea around being global, on top of the fact that you moved from such a small town in Germany out into the big wide world, started with your work at JA Worldwide. Tell me a little bit about JA and what they do. Yeah, so JA um, is a big, big um, educational NGO. And what we do is basically teach entrepreneurship financial literacy and work readiness to kids in school and university. So our uh, we are in 115 countries, which is, right, a lot of countries I around know. the world. And we have... <laughs> Yeah, and we have a lot of different programs. So we have day programs, we have shorter programs, but the really big program I also went through actually in school is called company program. And what we do in there is you are building your own company for one year with real money and real products. So what happens is in school, they group you with like whatever, five to 10, however many people, and then you have to build a company. So you have to find an idea. What we did is actually we built, um, we created a board game it was similar to Monopoly. We didn't say it at the time, right? Because obviously that's not good marketing, but like a kind of Monopoly game from my hometown. So we had to go through like production. We had to find quote investors to get money. And so it's all like on a real base, but it's within one year and in the project. And this uh, program is run in a lot of different countries across the world. And when you're 16, this I feel like this is an incredible experience because in school, everything is very theoretical, but nobody ever teaches you like business, right? And this is what, what the world needs. And the world needs entrepreneurs out there to really you know, change the world, create more jobs and make the world a better place. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not a teacher by all means, but I don't know. And I, I mean, I know that, all around the world, education is so different. And mm-hmm. so in some places, you're right, they don't really teach business. It, it is still theoretical. Like, who knows? Maybe maths is on the way out. <laughs> like, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you started working for them. You went through one of their programs. Did mm-hmm. that give you a little bit more of a sense of want of alignment with their mission and then wanting to continue on as, they're a senior manager alumni and work. what kind of projects are you working on at the moment? Yeah, so it's actually like a, I always call it a very long love story between me and Jay, <laughs> because the first time I went through the program was when I was 16, right? I was still in school in Germany. Frankly, I had no idea. I mean, we did this program, but when you're 16, you don't realize that this is a global program and the networking opportunities and like the overall opportunities which come with it, right? So you, I was just like, okay, this was cool. And then afterwards, I joined the alumni network back in Germany. And this was a group of obviously farmer participants of the program. They still stayed engaged. They helped, quote, the next generation in the program with their knowledge. And there were great events. It was all around Germany. So this is how I kind of got in on a voluntary base. Then afterwards, I realized, oh, there's a European network. 
And I'm like, this is really cool. And then I ended up heading up the European network for two years. Um, back then we had like 21 member countries and 25,000 people. So it was a lot of people, right? So that was all voluntary. And while I was in my position in the European organization, I realized, oh, there's a global world out there, right? And JA is not only in Europe, but it's also all across the world. And this is how the connection started. And then almost three years ago now, um, I got the job at our global headquarter, which is based in Boston, but everyone has kind of a remote job. So I stayed in Europe. Uh, my colleagues are mainly in the US, but also some are in Europe. Um, I They hired me for being the first ever global alumni manager. So basically my job is still to build alumni networks all across the world because only in Europe we have, back then we had alumni associations, but in the rest of the world, it was just going through the program and then nobody had contact with the former students. So yeah, basically pre-COVID, um, I was traveling to a lot of places, which was amazing and really talking to our offices there and really help them create this alumni network, which you know showcases the impact of the program and showcases the next generation of entrepreneurs. Yeah, amazing. And so given that you do work in over 100 countries, I assume that those countries vary so much, like some developing, some develop. Mm-hmm. What do you find uh, the main is the main impact across that scale when it comes to joining one of the programs? I think, honestly, the main impact, also back for me, but I spoke to so many students, is that before you start the program, you have no idea what you can achieve, right? So it's just like you are giving this challenge of creating a company. And in the beginning, you're like, uh, excuse me, what should I do? <laughs> because you you never learned something like this. And I think the biggest impact is kind of the process going through within yourself together with a team to figure it out, right? Because in school, a lot of the times, in most of the countries, it's kind of like the teacher explains you whatever in math right or biology or like this is a concept this is what you do and you're not using like creative thinking problem solving skills in school to actually come to a solution right and this program is really like okay there you go you have to build a company good luck (laughs) right I mean obviously they're like tools and like you know marketing courses finance courses depending on the country but it's still on them to really take the initiative and push through. And I think this is so valuable information because this is how the working world works, right? If you get a new job, people won't explain you every single detail you have to do. You have to figure it out yourself. And it doesn't matter if you take the program in Germany or in Ghana or in Venezuela. The kids, they, you know, it really changes their mind on what is possible and what they can achieve, right? If they just push through and find the people who can help them. Oh, yeah, I have no doubt. I mean, empowering youth is so important uh, anywhere, no matter what country you're in. I think we do have, there are a lot of struggles for youth when it comes to that period and transition between school mm-hmm. and into the workplace. What what age groups do the programs work with? So um, so the big program, I was talking about the company program with this one year project, they are targeting 16 to 18 year olds. So it's kind of almost the last, depending on the country, right? Like towards the end of your high school. 
But we also have programs specifically in the US, which is targeting primary schools. Obviously, they don't have to build their own company. They don't get real money. <laughs> so, right, it's all theoretical. But for instance, also in Malta, actually, when I was there, um, there we teach a program called My Community. So basically, the kids, they learn what is a tax system at the age of seven, right? So you have kind of like these playing games. They will understand that a police officer gets the money from government money, right? And not from like, where does he earn the money from? And that's someone who sells bread in a bakery that they earn the money from the people who buy their services, right? So there's like this, all this business knowledge trying to break down for kids in various different age groups. Um, but we also have, for instance, programs in university, which is also more intense, a bit bigger and out of the university and also the program's where the kids are 16, a lot of them, after they finish our program, they actually found their own startup. So either they take the idea they had throughout the program, or they're like, oh, actually, you know, now I know how it works somehow. And then they have another idea, and then they built their own startup. Yeah, wow. So the success stories you have come across must be pretty inspirational. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, great entrepreneurs which came out of the program. And actually, it's it's been there forever. It started 101, actually, years ago oh. in the US. So it's been there forever. Obviously, it started in the US and then slowly, slowly other countries came there. But imagine like every year, 12 million students are going through the program. So, you know, that's from primary school to university, all mixed. But that's a lot of people every single year, right? Yeah, that's incredible and what is the application process like like is there a, a vetting process uh what how do people find out about this yeah that's a great question actually and it's very uh, different uh, from country to country because most of the time it's part of the school um so we're also not in every single school i mean we wish right mm -hmm. sometimes um the school offers it in their quote like business classes or they have like it's an extracurricular um, activity people can take in some of the countries. I think it's Kazakhstan. I'm not sure. But there we actually managed to get into the education system. So the program is part of the entire education system of the country. And every single person who is in school goes through the program, which is obviously incredible. And this is kind of the big goal we want to achieve to get into the actual education system to not only teach kids theoretical things but actually have them do something practical where they you know need all the skills I was just mentioning yeah it's so admirable and really great to know that there are these other avenues for youth out there to explore some skills that could like you said help them become an entrepreneur um yeah so you you started the How to Be Global Scholarships. Is there a relationship between that project and your work at JA Worldwide? I mean, I feel like everything is so interconnected, right? Because I'm working on a global scale and I'm so passionate about it. But um, so really and truly, I started How to Be Global as the podcast, right? It's my, you know, my own side project because I felt so strongly about let's bring this world together and educate ourselves how we can do this right without hate without racism without judging people and all of this so and then actually how the scholarship started um i was in ghana it's now two years ago for the first time and this is where so this was a ja um event in ghana where 
a lot of African countries and the students from their countries came to really, you know, like work together and pitch the ideas, whatever. So I was there, but I also obviously explored the country because I've never been to an African country before back then. Um, and this is where the first time where I saw real poverty. And so it was in Accra, which is the capital city. We went to a, quote, tourist attraction. This is what it was called. And I was like, okay, let's see where, what that is. And we came there and it was horrible, obviously. So it was in the, it's right in the seafront. And this is the area, it's called Jamestown, where most of the kids are orphans. They don't even have proper houses. They don't have shoes. They have literally nothing. And they are orphans because the parents are fishermen and they go out to the sea, but the sea is too rough. So most of them are not coming back. So you have like a lot of kids running around and I was just shocked. I'm like, first of all, why the hell do you call this a tourist attraction, right? And second of all, how can I help? And I was there and I was so shocked and I didn't want to be this tourist um, or the person coming to a country going there, feeling sad, going back home, live my life as usual, right? So I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I immediately started a fundraiser. This is how it started. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm here in Accra, in Jamestown. It's horrible. I want to help. I don't know how, but here we go. Do you want to support me? <laughs> you can donate here. So this is, what it, this is how it started. And then I was thinking through, okay, what is the best sustainable way to do it and to help them, um, you know, not only just like, so you have them once, but then it doesn't last. So I was thinking, I want to invest in education there because only if we can teach those orphans and kids in this poor area, you know, like basic stuff, they can then take it and, you know, go out there and have a better life. You know, also entrepreneurship skills, something, you know, how to sell something. I mean, nobody teaches them, but this is something how they can help the entire community. So I partnered up. So the next year I came back to Ghana. And I partnered with an organization called Educom. Um, and we are partnering now with a school um, in that area. And this school is basically taking the kids from the streets, mainly the orphans or the ones who, you know, don't have anyone. And then depending on what they can, they will be grouped into classrooms. So even if you're eight years old or if you're three years old and you can't read, you will be in the same classroom and they will teach you how to read, Right. In the other classroom, they will teach you how to do math. In the other classroom, they will teach you a different thing. So it's not like a proper school with grade one, two, three, four. It's like they take the kids wherever they're at, teach them, and then afterwards place them into the real schools. Because what they told me is, um, well, you know, these kids, they have no one. They have nothing. You can't just place them in a school because they will be lost and they, they won't see why they should go there because for them the most important thing is to find food every day so um in that school where we're partnering with they also give them um lunch and dinner so they have two um meals a day and um yeah that's how the how to be global scholarship started and luckily we could support 60 kids um within a year with everything with the school fees for that school with clothes and also with food for an entire year sarah that is so good <laughs> <laughs> that is so lovely. I yeah, I mean, you we were talking in the other podcast about solving the question I want to give back but I don't know how. You solved mm -hmm. that. You got together a global community and allowed them to put 60 people through school. I mean, what was that process like at the time of from the time of being in Jamestown and witnessing this to 
the time of realizing that you had funded a whole year of school like was that a really difficult process or did it all kind of come together did you have support what were some of the main milestones for you during that year yeah that's a great question and that's why I loved nomads giving back so much right where you also work because I'm like huh this seems so much easier (laughs) if there's someone you can talk to and who can help you. I mean, seriously, I was standing there in Jamestown on my own and I'm like, okay, um, I was on GoFundMe. I just opened a page. You know, I, you know, I took the classic pictures because these kids are incredible, you know, and incredibly cute. And they love obviously tourists because they know that they can support us. Right. So I took these, you know, amazingly cute pictures with these amazing kids and i'm just like listen people i'm here i need your help like if you have five dollars five euros i don't care like let's just gather some money i donated my entire like for that one year all the money i you know received for like birthday or christmas i completely donated i'm like i don't need this money like give me the money and i'll give it to the kids because i have everything i need in my life seeing this um so basically so I was just donating the money. And then, as you said, it's so hard to kind of find a way, like, okay, what do I do with this money, right? I mean, I don't want to just withdraw the money and then go to Ghana <laughs> and have money in my pocket. That doesn't help. And then I'm like, buying food is great. However, that's not sustainable. So I luckily, through my um, network, also through JA and through other people I met with How to Be Global, um, I part, you know, I found this organization in Ghana who already helped with education and they offer like educational programs, mostly online for kids who can't afford it. So I said, Hey, can we partner? Because they're obviously like a legal entity in Ghana. So I could transfer the money to their account. We could make sure, you know, that the whole legal process is fine. And then I'm like, I want to support the school. And they obviously had to give us, um, like a proof of like the students because, Unfortunately, you know, in a lot of places, um, not saying that it's in this school, not at all, right? I've also been there, we, we, you know, talk to them, but sometimes they, you know, money is not used for the right purpose, specifically with donations. And I think this is why a lot of people helped me and donated money to the How to Be Global scholarships, because first they knew me, and second of all, they're like, a lot of people want to support, but they're scared that their money is lost somewhere and not used for the right purpose. Yeah, that's a really important topic to bring up, I think, around this whole idea of aid. And what I love about what you're doing is, especially that example you said, where you said, well, I could buy food, but that's not sustainable. Rather, education is generational, you know, the education Mm -hmm. lasts through generations. And I'm actually... um, reading a great book at the moment called Dead AIDS, which is by uh, a woman named Dambisa F. Moyo. And it's about how, especially, unfortunately, places like Africa have succumbed to this idea of dead aid, aid that didn't Mm -hmm. go anywhere. And, uh, And another thing that stuck, out to me in your conversation was around the partnership as well being able to find somebody there on the ground that you can work with and obviously there's a lot of trust involved but I think that both of those structures are very admirable 
Yeah, thanks so much. And I'm, you know, I'm so excited to share it also with your audience because I feel like this is something we should all do more, right? If because we are like, as when I say we, like I, I'm very privileged, right? We, I grew up in a in Germany, a great life. You know, we have a job, we can afford things, and then you know you're kind of being annoyed when someone doesn't put you in CC on an email. And then sometimes you just have to put your life in perspective. You're like, okay, actually, listen, these problems are not relevant to what happens in this world. Obviously not saying that you can't have problems when you have a lot of privilege, but it's so good. And this is why I told every single person, well, when the pandemic is over, go out there and experience it yourself. You have to see it yourself because otherwise you can see it on TV, right, on like, whatever big um, organizations like Save the Children, they have these videos on TV ads, whatever. But if you've been there and you saw it yourself, it just humbles you so much. And you're like, all right, let me use the privilege I was given, right? And help others to, you know, get more privilege or help them out of poverty. Obviously, we can't help everyone. But if everyone just does a small step, I feel like we would be so much closer. I think so too. And actually, it's been scientifically proven that if you give back and if you bring generosity into your life, it increases happiness. So True. if you want to do something like, what did they say? There was an episode of Friends where I think Phoebe was saying or Joey was saying there's no such thing as a selfless good deed. <laughs> <laughs> in a way like you do get something from giving but I was like no there is such thing as selflessness but I'll leave it up to the audience to decide that one sure. <laughs> um, so in saying that how can my listeners support the work that you're doing and obviously um, listen to your podcast because you do also touch on a lot of these topics interviewing different people on what it does mean to be global Yeah, so basically, um, the easiest way to support How to Be Global and also the scholarships, obviously saying right now it's on hold because nobody's in school, right? I mean, it's a global pandemic. But that being said, after the global pandemic, we need more support than ever to rebuild it, right? To like get it all back together. So um, the podcast you can find on Spotify everywhere where you can listen to podcasts. It's called How to Be Global, all different words. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, it's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, and then Rapp, R-A-P-P. Um, I think we can maybe link it in the show notes there. I will always announce all the things I'm doing if I have a new project and when we can start receiving donations again for the How to Be Global scholarships and everything. And I'm also trying to, um, you know, have some fun and some educational posts on my Instagram on really educating the world on like we're different and that's fine but let's just make sure we're not hating each other <laughs> i love it and of course i'm going to throw the question back at you as you did on our interview what does it mean for you to be global Ugh, it's interesting because nobody ever asks me because i'm usually the one right asking the question in my podcast so for me being global means Well, first of all, the realization that we are all global. So if you like it or not, we are all living on one planet and we're global because I usually use the example of like, well, if you do not think you're global or if you don't want to be global, well, you shouldn't have your phone, you shouldn't have your laptop, 
most probably the mango you're eating in the kitchen, you know, these are all things which are coming from a different place where you live, most probably. So people, a lot of people just want to take advantage of our globalization, which is import, export, travel, all the things, but then again, don't take responsibility on actually living together. So I always say we're global if you like it or not. So here are the tools, <laughs> how we can make it easier. So basically being global for me is embracing the diversity. It's fine that we have different thoughts. It's fine that we have different values. It's more about exploring what other people think and being more open-minded to receive what other people think and do. And don't jump into this right or wrong mindset on like what I do is right and what they do is wrong. Everybody just does things differently. So I think this is kind of the broader explanation of what I think How To Be Global is all about. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for all the work that you do, for being on the show, for contacting us, myself, and allowing me to talk about my work and Nomads Giving Back and uh, look forward to hearing about your work in the future. Thank you so much, Bianca. It was a pleasure. And also thank you for all your incredible work. And I'm sure this was not the last conversation we had. <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning into that show, everyone. Just a reminder, you can check out my interview on Sarah's podcast as well at How to Be Global. Uh, next week, I'm talking with Shami, who is the founder of Travel for Purpose. Uh, I'm talking about her journey in creating a sustainable tourism company in Kenya, working on sustainability projects in the region and empowering communities, reversing climate change through tree planting programs and all the sorts. So I'm really looking forward to having her on the show and becoming a little bit more educated about things happening on the ground in beautiful Kenya. Uh, until then, you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're loving the show, please do share it or write a review. Um, all your words are greatly appreciated. Until then, I hope you are safe and well wherever you are in the world. And I'll speak to you soon.